Some of you may have uh, seen Channel 19 this past week. Uh, there was a feature um, that was mostly filmed right here in the church um, on Tom's upcoming ordination to the priesthood, which um, we are going to be privileged to host here at St. Margaret of York. Uh, Tom, of course, has been on staff and, and been with us for quite some time, and he has asked the Archbishop to ordain him here in our church, and that is a very wonderful privilege for a parish community. Uh, ordinations usually take place in the cathedral. So on Saturday, March the 7th, at our 4.30 liturgy, which of course will be longer, uh, we will have that ordination. The Archbishop will be here. It'll be a great day for the parish, and certainly uh, all are invited. So uh, we look forward to a, a very big celebration for Tom and for our community, and certainly for the church in Cincinnati as well. I think we're all starting to get a little pumped up about uh, Thanksgiving, right? Maybe some Christmas shopping is happening already, or maybe it's done. If it is for you, then you can come and do mine, because I usually wait to the last minute. So, you know, we, we all know what's coming. If you include today, Thanksgiving is 12 days away. If you include today, Christmas is 40 days away. So we've got these plans made. We know what's coming. We know what we have to do. But ironically, next Sunday, which is the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, we will celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ at the end of time. And so while we know how many days there are until Thanksgiving and we know how many days there are until Christmas, we have no idea when Jesus may come again. In his letter to the Thessalonians uh, that we hear from this morning, you know, Paul says that we will be taken by surprise. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Fortunately, you know, knowing the dates of Thanksgiving and Christmas, we can get ourselves prepared for those holidays. But unfortunately, because we don't know when Christ will return, we, we, we just don't prepare very well. You know, we think we've got plenty of time. You know, I, I think I'm just like most of you. I, I put off confession as long as I can put it off. You know, spiritual direction for us priests is supposed to take place about once a month, and sometimes I just kind of, I'm too busy, you know, wait till next month. The earliest Christians were intensely in touch with a belief in the second coming, but we've kind of explained it all away. We, we put it in the back of our minds, we, we hope well, we just want to forget about it. You know, we, we don't want to think about it at all. We don't take the idea of the end of time, our own personal end, or the end of the world, very seriously. You know, we all know that, that one day we will retire, right? But how many of you have been saving for it? You know, how many of you have been really preparing for that day? Most people wait until you're really close and then it's almost too late. 
And throughout most of our lives, we, you know, we definitely do not take the reality of our eventual death seriously. We deny death more than we deny the, the one day that we'll have to retire. And what Matthew is telling us is that we must prepare. You know, Matthew's gospel passage speaks to us of how to prepare for Christ's coming. And the cost of failing to do so. And Matthew uses a talent to instruct us. And, and he makes some points that we dare not ignore. We've done the short version today, but I'm hopeful that you remember the long version of this. And a talent was not a coin. A talent was a weight. And a talent of silver could be almost as much as 15 years wages. So this is a huge sum of money that is being entrusted to these men. And each of the individuals in the parable, you know, they're, they're asked to do something with this. You know, because of the word talent, of course, we relate the enormous sum of money to our personal talents, our skills. But that's not what Matthew was thinking here. And for Matthew, the rich master is God, right? I think we all understand that. And the talent is faith. And we've all been given faith. To each of us, God has given a, a certain measured gift, each according to our ability to use it. So we have in this story one man burying the master's money. And, and as a matter of fact, that was a very accepted way of protecting money. If, if you took money and buried it, then you were not liable if it happened to be stolen. If you invested and lost it during that day and age, then you would be held completely responsible for the last shekel. Matthew's listeners would have thought that the third man, the one who buried the talent, should be the one rewarded for handling of the money. So imagine their surprise then when they learn that putting the master's money at risk was what Jesus expected. You know, making something more out of it. Part of the message of the parable is that what God expects of us is not ordinary at all. And faith, well, faith must be invested. God expects us to use it in ways that will make it grow and, and, and make it spread. You know, we have to risk our gift if, if it is to become anything more than it is right now. Just sitting around and avoiding evil gains us nothing. You know, we, we shy away from the notion that God would punish us. But here stands a parable stating quite the contrary. And, and all of Matthew's listeners, would have applauded the burying of the money for safekeeping. However, Matthew calls the man 
a wicked, lazy servant. You know, I think, I think most of us probably think, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not bad. You know, God won't condemn me. But the parable suggests strongly, yes, he would. You know, if we don't use our faith, if we don't make our faith grow, God will take it away from us, and he'll throw us outside of the kingdom. This third man feared the, the master that he described as reaping where he did not sow, and demanding, and very harsh. And the master agreed that he reaped where he did not sow. Our master reaps where we sow the seed he has given us. But on the other hand, the master in the parable did not agree that he was harsh. How could a master who gave thousands to three servants and then trusted them to use it without instruction be harsh? And that's... That's trust. And further, the master gave the same reward to the first two servants regardless of the difference in the money that he gave them. He rewarded their efforts on his own behalf and he was not concerned about quantitative results. And that's not harsh. That's very loving. In order to be ready to prepare a Thanksgiving dinner, or in order to be ready for Christmas, we cannot wait until the last minute. Investment managers would tell us quickly that we cannot double our money without a long-range investment plan. When Jesus comes and asks for his talents back, what are we going to be able to give to him? And will we be able to say, here are my children, Lord. Look at the good they have become. Will we be able to say, Lord, I, I, I supported my church community. Look at what it has become. And will we be able to say, Jesus, I gave my life for you. Look at the good that I have become. Or will we be stumbling around for work? 